But looking forward uh, just to the sermon this morning and look, uh, continuing to study about Jesus Christ. Not just the facts, but the person of Jesus Christ. And so we're moving into a new chapter, John chapter 7. And we're going to continue through. When we complete John chapter 7, we'll be a third of the way through the Gospel of John. Believe it or not, 21 chapters uh, seven chapters, and really John is broken up a little bit this way. Verse uh, chapters 1 through 12 really deal with Jesus and the multitudes. He's dealing with uh, the Jewish leaders. He's dealing with the multitudes through his earthly ministry. Then John chapter 13 through John chapter eight, uh, John chapter um, 17 there is when we get there is going to be Jesus and his disciples. Uh, Judas is going to leave, and all of those chapters is going to be more aimed at Jesus teaching his disciples and preparing for them to leave. And then John 18, uh, 19, and 20 is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then chapter 21 is once again with the disciples. And so we have been dealing somewhat heavily uh, with the multitude and with uh, believing on Jesus, because that's where we are. But we're going to get to uh, some passages where he's going to be teaching his disciples about the blessings of believing. And that's coming down the road and looking forward to some of those, uh, some of those chapters, some of the greatest verses in all of the Bible. Um, all of it's good, but looking forward to that. But John chapter 7 this morning, John chapter 7, verse number 1. This is connected with the feeding of the 5,000. This is connected with that. And the Bible says, after these things. So this puts us at a, this has happened. Now, after that, it gives us a time mark we're moving on from that, but it is connected. After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee. For he would not walk in Jewry or in Judea, down where the Jewish religious headquarters in the, in the, in the grasp of Jewry, uh, because the Jews sought to kill him. Now... The Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. We're going to explain some of what that was. His brethren therefore said unto him, Depart hence, and go into Judea, that thy disciples also may see the works that thou doest. For there is no man that do, doeth anything in secret, and he himself seeketh to be known openly. If thou do these things, notice that if, If thou do these things, show thyself to the world. For neither did his brethren believe in him. Then Jesus said unto them, My time is not yet come, but your time is always ready. The world cannot hate you, but me it hateth, because I testify of it, that the works thereof are evil. Go ye up unto this feast, I go not up yet unto this feast. For my time is not yet full come. When he had said these words unto them, he abode still in Galilee. But when his brethren were gone up, then went he also up unto the feast, not openly, but as it were in secret. Then the Jews sought him at the feast and said, Where is he? There was much murmuring among the people concerning him. It was the hot topic of conversation. Right? For some said, He is a good man. Others said, Nay, but he deceiveth the people. Howbeit no man spake openly of him for fear of the Jews. 
Kind of an interesting text this morning. The title this morning is this, The Real Jesus is Not Popular. The Real Jesus is Not Popular. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you once again. I pray that you would help us to study your word and learn of you. And I pray, Lord, that you would encourage our hearts, that you would challenge us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We would think that the more people learn about Jesus, the more followers, the more disciples he would have. That if we could just tell everyone about what was going on here at Community Baptist Church and how we're preaching about Jesus and you could come meet Jesus and you could know that Jesus could forgive you your sins and give you a home in heaven and talk about who Jesus is and what He could do. You would think if we could just tell everybody about it that there would be a lot more disciples. Now, we do need to stop and say this. That that is the way that disciples come. Jesus went to the 12 disciples and he called them. And they came and they followed Jesus. That we've been commanded as disciples of Jesus Christ to be fishers of men and to go out and to bring people to Jesus. The great commission is go ye therefore and preach all, uh, teach all nations. Every person. So the command has been given. We are to tell the world. We are to every person that we meet is a mission field. Every person that we have contact with is an opportunity to introduce them to Jesus Christ. That is, what, that is the mission of Jesus' church. That is the purpose why Jesus has left His disciples here on this earth is to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ because if they're not saved, they're going to hell for all of eternity. This is the mission, this is the work of God that men would believe on Him whom He hath sent, would believe on Jesus Christ. And there are people in this room who got invited to church, who got saved, because they heard about Jesus Christ. But just because... The more people we tell, we think, well, if we just tell everybody, we're, if we could just really get the word out there, there'd be so many more people that would come. You would think that because of the blessings that are found in the Lord and because He is the way and because of the grace that is there, the marvelous grace that no matter where you've been, your past, you can be forgiven and you can be made a child of God and the wondrous blessings of knowing your sins are forgiven and having a relationship with Jesus Christ that you would think that everyone, the more well-known that Jesus is, the more disciples that would come. Right now, Jesus is more well-known than He has ever been in His earthly ministry. Right? He has just fed the multitude that was ten to 15,000 people in Galilee. He has spent time in Jerusalem at Passover at the feast where He cleansed the temple and He performed many miracles. The name Jesus was on almost everyone's lips there in the land of Israel. If there was a conversation 
much like politics comes up in the United States of America. What was coming up on the lips and the minds of people there in Israel in 33 AD was, who is this Jesus person? What do you think about this Jesus person? Uh, um, I've heard he's done, oh, I've seen him. And the conversation was going, uh, go, uh, going, back, uh, going back and forth. Could you imagine the social media and the tweets that were going on in 33 AD as people were talking about? It was the hot button subject of that time. And Jesus has preached. It isn't that Jesus is just gaining notoriety. Jesus has personally invested in telling as many people as He can about who He is, about the mission that the Father has sent Him, and He has come, he has come so that they could have eternal life. Right? That is why Jesus Christ came. He's traveled all over Galilee. He has sent His disciples two by two. The first, the first 12 disciples, and then he sent 70 disciples, two by two, going to every town, preaching, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. You need to believe in Jesus as the Messiah. And they went everywhere preaching and teaching and telling others about Jesus Christ. We have no record of how many people were actually healed by Jesus. But many times in the Gospels it says this, he healed all their diseases. He healed everyone that they brought to Him. And so there, are, um, there weren't millions and millions and millions of people like there would be in necessarily in New York City or on Long Island. It was not that crowded, but there was um, hundreds of thousands of people that have been there at, maybe at a preaching service of Jesus. There are, I, would, I would dare say there are thousands of people that have been touched by Jesus, that their eyes have been opened, that leprosy has been cleansed, that um, they can walk now, and there's people that they can talk to. There's increasing evidence that this isn't just a mirage, this isn't just a YouTube hit, this isn't just uh, somebody who's making a splash in the pan, there's something real that's going on here, right? Uh, it's not just something, oh, we heard about it up there. You could go to somebody in Galilee and they'd been uh, given, restored their eyesight. And you could go to someone in Samaria and uh, things had happened. You could go to somebody in Galilee and their leprosy had been cleansed. And you could go all over, all over the land of Israel. There was uh, people who had uh, a thousand demons or um, the legion who had many demons in him. They were cast out of him and he was clothed and in his right mind. There was mounting evidence of the work of Jesus Christ. He had already raised Jairus' daughter. He had already raised the widow's son at Nain. There were two people that Jesus had raised from the dead. Most recently, He had fed the multitude. Multiplied bread. Okay? Uh, we can't do that. Even in all of our technology, we can't do that. Jesus has also walked on water. Now, His disciples saw that. Not everyone, okay? But there is evidence after evidence after evidence that is piling up that Jesus is not only teaching, Jesus is demonstrating this is the power of God. You cannot deny that the Creator God alone can do this. The Creator God alone can take someone who was born blind, we're going to get there in John chapter 9, and, and make them able to see again. Even our doctors today can't take someone necessarily who was born blind and restore their sight. But Jesus can. Because He's God. And he's, He has given mounting evidence of who He is. In John chapter 5, when He was in Jerusalem, 
and he was confronted by the Jewish leaders. And they were saying, who do you think you are? You're healing on the Sabbath day. How many remember this? He gave a threefold witness. The end of John chapter 5. You want to know why I have this authority? You want to know why? Let, let me, let's, let's go to court. Let's, let's call the evidence here. John the Baptist, a man sent from God, said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. We have a prophet here sent from God who is confirming the message that I have. Okay, so we have that. But that's, if you really want to think about it, that's the least witness. And that's a good enough witness in and of itself. That John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. But let's go to the witness of the signs. He said, how many times is Jesus going, has said and going to say, Believe the work's sake. Just look at the miracles. Stop denying what you cannot explain. Just believe the miracles that no man could do, even Nicodemus admitted, except God be with him. Jesus is doing. He said, look at the miracles. If you want evidence, if you want um, an a, a, uh, airtight case saying, this is the power of God and you need to believe it, just look at the miracles. Go talk to those people. He said, but the greatest witness of all is search the Scriptures. Go to the words that we know came from God. You say you're following the Old Testament law. Well, how about you read Psalm 22? How about you read Isaiah 53? How about you read from the... Uh, you think I'm coming from Nazareth, but you don't know the story. I was born in Bethlehem. If you'll just research it, it's there. It's in the record books that every prophecy of the Old Testament is fulfilled in me. He said, search the Scriptures. In them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. They give witness to who I am. Jesus has given mounting evidence. He is more well known. He has preached. He has given incredible evidence that He is exactly who He claims to be. He is the Son of God. He was the Word that was made flesh. He was come down to give eternal life. That is who Jesus is. Amen? And that is who He gave mounting evidence, indisputable evidence, that He was. And we would think the more that people heard about Jesus, the more signs that they saw, the, the, the more people would want to come to Jesus. Right? If there's blind people that are seeing now, come on, how much more do we need? Right? That, that's our, right? What else needs to take place for you to say, no, this is Jesus. I'm going to believe on Him. I'm going to surrender to Him. But despite the mounting evidence, the continued preaching, the testimony of the very Scriptures themselves, what we're finding is that Jesus' following is shrinking. That Jesus is being more and more rejected. Rather than the followers of Jesus increasing, we have unbelief increasing. Instead of having those who want to surrender and follow Jesus Christ and His kingdom increasing, we have those who are opposing Him increasing. Okay, let's go. End of John chapter 6, there was a multitude. They came to Jesus, right? We've just been over this. Seeking bread. And what happened? When they, uh, when, when they came to Him, they, came, they had eaten of the miracle bread, they were full. They were ready to make Jesus their king. 
right then and there, right? We're ready to follow you. We're ready to fight with you, Jesus. Man, we're, you're our type of guy. We're on your side. And then Jesus confronted them with the true bread that comes down from heaven. It's like, stop seeking after the physical and start understanding your need for spiritual life. What did they do? This is a hard saying. It wasn't that they didn't understand it. It was that they said, I don't like that. I don't like the taste of that. That isn't, that isn't what we were here for. We, we like a king that's going to set up the kingdom right now. We're not wanting to wait. We're not looking for a spiritual kingdom. I want something that's going to bless my life right now. And many of those who were numbered as Jesus' disciples walked with him no more. Isn't that what it said last week? Turned and walked away. They were willing to enjoy the benefits of Jesus, but they didn't want to believe. They didn't want to surrender their lives to his kingdom for his purposes. I want Jesus on my terms. Jesus, if you can satisfy what I want, we're good. Oh, you mean I have to follow you? Like, you decide what I get to do? That's not the kingdom that I like. And those who had been numbered as the disciples, even though it was not a matter of a lack of understanding, they understood what Jesus was telling them. And they willingly walked away. They turned their back and walked away. Then verse number 1 of John chapter 7. After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he would not walk in Jewry, because the Jews sought to kill him. Okay, now who's these? The Jews, uh, when you see that term in your, in, the, in your Bible, J-E-W with the capital J, that is referring to the religious leaders. That is not referring to every Jewish person. That is referring to uh, the religious hierarchy. That is referring to the Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees, the priests, uh, the religious leaders of that. And they had met Jesus on several occasions. John chapter 5, they had been the ones that Jesus had given his witness to. He was talking to the Jewish leaders. He was giving them the evidence of who he was and is. They knew what Jesus claimed. The Jewish leaders, it wasn't that they said, we don't like this, we don't like this Jesus guy because he's not giving us enough information or we don't know who he is. Um, by the way, these men weren't what we would consider God-haters. Okay, They considered themselves very religious. Uh, their whole lives were dedicated to the Bible and dedicated to the things of God. And they would have been the first ones to say, oh, we love God. Oh, we serve God. Oh, we're completely dedicated to God. But they understood in John chapter 5 that Jesus claimed authority over the Sabbath. Um, they understood that he claimed to be the Son of God, thus equal with God. They, claimed, they understood that Jesus was saying, no, 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 no. You have your traditions of the elders. I'm telling you the word of God. The Bible says in John chapter 5, Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because, not, because he had not only had broken the Sabbath, in their minds, Jesus never sinned, but said also that God was his father, making himself equal with God. They understood exactly what Jesus had claimed, but they considered themselves the authority 
over the traditions of the elders and of the law of God. And Jesus said, I'm the fulfillment of that. And instead of seeing Jesus as the fulfillment of the law, they were fine, they were okay with breaking the law to kill Jesus and keep their political power. They, the Bible says they sought to kill him. They were actively seeking. Their planning sessions in the Sanhedrin were no longer about collecting temple taxes or how we can get the sacrifices in there in the most expedient manner. Uh, their now planning sessions in the Sanhedrin was, we got to get rid of this Jesus guy. How can we do this? Knowing the Old Testament law, the law of God, thou shalt not kill, and they were purposely going about to transgress that in the name of serving God. You talk about confusion. You talk about darkness. There's nothing new today. Here in America, we don't necessarily have people trying to kill Jesus or his followers, yet there are people that do that in India and other in, in uh, the Middle East and other parts of the world. But we just have a lot of people who say, I'm fine with my religion. I don't, it's not that they're going to physically kill it, they're just going to remove anything that disagrees with them. I have my religion, just leave me alone. Right? Um, uh, um, don't talk to me about that. I'm fine with what I believe. Don't ask me any questions. I'm not dealing with this. Just leave me alone. Is not that the same spirit? In some sense, though, they were going about to kill Jesus, what were they doing? They were seeking to remove the witness. They say, we do not want to hear this. Get this out of here. Whatever it takes to remove this, that's fine with us. We're fine where we're going. We're not changing. I don't even want to hear it. I'm not going to weigh the evidence. I'm not going to examine the Bible. I know what I believe and I don't care. Was their, was their philosophy that is still very well today. Even though they had heard the claims of Jesus, even though they claimed to know the Scriptures, they were saying, well, that just doesn't apply here. Well, that's an interpretation issue. That really isn't that big of a deal, right? Same things people say today. Then in verse number 3, we have the earthly half-brothers of Jesus. Okay, it says, uh, that His brethren therefore said unto Him, Depart hence, and go into Judea, that thy disciples also may see the works that thou doest. Now, we need to take us, uh, we're going to have several of these uh, scenic pull-offs just for a second to deal with something, all right? Um, there are those in our society today that teach what they call the perpetual virginity of Mary. That is a Catholic Orthodox doctrine uh, that, G that Mary... Uh, was a virgin. She was a virgin when, she, when Jesus Christ was born of her. But they teach also that Jesus never, uh, Mary never had any other children and she continued to be a virgin all of her life in the attempts to deify Mary. In the attempts to lift up Mary to above who she is as a normal human being. That's based on the writings of men. Because right here in the Bible it says, His brethren, His brothers... Okay, they were not, Jesus did not have an earthly father. His brothers did. And by all accounts from the Bible, that after Jesus was born, Mary and Joseph went about and had a normal family life. By the way, Mary said, I rejoice in Jesus, in Christ, my Savior. She was just in much need of a Savior, as Peter was, as Saul of Tarsus is, as you and I are. Even though she was greatly used of God, she was still a simple human being. 
And if we allow the Bible to define it for us, it removes a lot of the traditions of men. We don't need traditions of men. We need what the Bible says. Okay? Mary was just a regular human being who was greatly used by God. Okay? So Jesus had half-brothers who had grown up there with him. And if anyone would have known the perfect character, the sinless nature of Jesus Christ, it would have been his earthly siblings. Okay, if you want to find out about somebody, you talk to the people who are with them when nobody else is watching. Okay? I have my brother come and preach sometimes. That could be somewhat embarrassing because he could probably tell some stories about me. Okay? Um, why? Because I'm not perfect. And there's, uh, we, we definitely have um, uh, some, uh, some times that I was not behaving right or some times where he could tell some stories that would be um, not very flattering. But here is Jesus' brothers. They didn't have a single story like that. Not a single one. Could you imagine trying to be Jesus Christ, brother? Mary going... Come on, can't you just be a little bit more like Jesus? <laughs> There's lots of humor in the Bible. If you, okay, but seriously, okay, if, if anybody knew of the sinless nature of Jesus Christ, it would have been Mary and his brothers. Apparently, Jesus and his brothers knew of the multitudes walking away from Jesus in Galilee. They had seen the multitudes that were following Jesus. They had come back to Capernaum. They had heard of that. And all of a sudden, when Jesus showed up, there wasn't a multitude following Him anymore. There was His 12 disciples. Jesus, what's going on? Where's all the people following you? Well, if the Feast of the Tabernacles was coming up, I mean, that's a great time. That's the time when Israel's looking for the Messiah. I mean, you could go down to Jerusalem. If, if you're really doing something, you could go down there and bring the light. You could go down there and make some things known. Now's the time, Jesus. By the way, that was wise advice by, as one man said, that's wise advice by the standards of worldly wisdom. Get out to the crowds. Go to the limelight. Do something that leaves no room for doubt. Come on, Jesus. But they didn't believe on Jesus. It wasn't that they were wanting people to truly trust in Jesus Christ because John leaves no doubt that they were still unbelievers at this point. Right? So they had not, verse number five, for neither did his brethren believe on him. So this wasn't a spiritual thing that they were implying. Right? They were not saying, Jesus, if you could just talk to some more people, if you could just make a big splash, you'd, you'd get people who are dedicated and following you and we're with you and this is going to be amazing. They were saying, come on, Jesus, if you're really that great, if you do these things, they're throwing some doubt, they're throwing some shade, uh, we might say today, on Jesus and on his character. You shouldn't be hiding yourself. That's not how this thing should work. You should be showing yourself to the world. And if you're acknowledged uh, by the religious leaders there at Jerusalem, 
Any doubt of people not wanting to follow you, any doubt of you, you would get the official stamp of Judaism there, Jesus. You would, you would get the endorsements that you need to really get this going. And Jesus' brothers were like the other Jews. They were looking for the physical kingdom. And they figured if their brother could get this physical kingdom going, they could get to pull the brother card. They could get to uh, maybe get some... I mean, we're surmising a little bit here, but uh, this was not a spiritual request that they had. The Bible very clearly says they did not believe. People who grew up with Jesus still don't believe. Some people who grew up in church all their life still don't believe. Some people who heard the truth so many times. Well, yeah, I mean, I know it, but I'm really not believing. And there's lots of people similar today to Jesus' brothers. They're friendly about to Jesus, but they have no interest in truly following Jesus. But this, this is somewhat hilarious, troubling, but hilarious to me is too. You talk to somebody and you try to witness to them. You start trying to invite them to church. And all of a sudden they have some great ideas about how you could grow the church. And they begin telling me, hey, well, have you ever thought about doing this? Or you ever thought about doing this? Everything that does not involve them following Jesus, but they've got some great uh, of worldly wisdom about how to increase the membership of the church and things. But they're not interested in following Jesus. Nothing's changed. So there's the brothers of Jesus. Then we have the people, verse number, um, verse number 11 and verse number, verse number 12 and 13, there was much murmuring among the people. There was the people who went up to the feast at Jerusalem. And they were debating the moral question of Jesus. Right? Uh, how, what do you think about this Jesus? They were having a behind-the-scenes talk. There's much secret discussion about them. There's a lot of debate. There's a lot of examination of Jesus. Jesus is being put under the microscope by these people at the feast. And uh, some people actually praise the works of Jesus. He's a good man. He actually is helping people. Come on, give him a break. There's people that he's helping. He's, he's a good man. He's, he's a good teacher. It's not that they were believing in him. They didn't believe he was the Messiah, just that he was a good man. By the way, there's many people that will praise his morals, praise his precepts, his holy life, while they're hesitant to speak of his divinity, of his atonement, and still more hesitant to acknowledge that they must depend on him for salvation. There's many people who are willing to say nice things about Jesus. Oh, I believe uh, that he came. I believe he died for our sins. Come on, Jesus isn't a fake. He was a real person. But they're debating the moral question of Jesus. They're not trusting in Him. Does everybody see the difference? Yeah, yeah. No, He's a good person. There were others. Jesus is deceiving. He, he's leading them astray. He, he's causing people to wander. Now, Jesus was leading people away from their empty religion. He was leading people out of darkness into light. And so... People who wanted to hold on to their darkness as it were light were saying, he's deceiving the people. He's taking people away from Judaism. He's, he's leading them in a false way. What is this text full of? Unbelief. 
from the multitudes, from, Jesus, from the Jewish leaders who should have known the scriptures, from, the, uh, from his half-brothers, from the multitudes who had seen Jesus perform miracle after miracle. There's unbelief, unbelief, unbelief. But it's not like these people weren't religious. It's not like these people didn't claim to believe in God. They were assembling at Jerusalem for the Feast of the Tabernacles. Okay, now what's the Feast of the Tabernacles? The Feast of the Tabernacles, uh, it's called Sukkoth today. It's, it's actually going to uh, take place on the tw- start the evening of the 29th of September. So it took place in, it is a Jewish festival that was ordained in the law of God. This was a biblical feast. And Jesus would come up to Jerusalem because he was going to be obedient to the law of God. And it was a feast very quickly. It was called the Feast of Tabernacles because they built booths. They built tabernacles to dwell in for the week to remember when they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And they're saying, now we're in the land of Israel. It was also the autumn harvest that marked the end, the autumn festival marked the end of all the grain has come in, the grapes have come in, the figs have come in. Everything has been gathered. Everything has come in. It was also five days after the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is September 25th of this year. And it was the day that under commands from God, at, during that time, the priest would offer the blood. That was the one time the priest could go into the Holy of Holies, the most holy place. And he would sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat. And it was a covering of the sin. And it was a rolling back. And it was, we have covered our sins. We're right with God again. And then the Feast of the Tabernacles was a feast of restoring fellowship with God. We've dealt with sin. We're ready to worship God. It was a, it was a feast of rejoicing. Okay, Yom Kippur was a fast. The Feast of the Tabernacles was, hey, we've brought the harvest in. We're, we're going to have uh, a rejoicing time with the Lord. We're going to have fellowship with the Lord. It's a, it marked the new year. It was a fresh start with God every year, so to speak. It was a time of expectation the Messiah was going to come. Everything about the Feast of the Tabernacles, Jesus is going to use that in the coming weeks to say, um, he that thirsteth, let him come to me and drink because there was part of a water festival that they would do where they would pour out the water. Jesus is going to say, I am the light of the world because they would light the menorah every night as part of that feast. He's saying, you're looking at the symbols, you need to look at me. And so there, it wasn't that these people were unreligious. It wasn't that these people said, no, no, we don't even care about God. We're doing whatever we want. It was just that they wouldn't believe in Jesus. So if, here, if they're looking for the Messiah, that's part of what the tabernacle feast was celebrating. If there's been untold evidence that's amassed of who Jesus is, why is there so much unbelief? Isn't that the question we need to answer? Jesus is saying, my brothers don't believe me, the multitudes don't believe me, the religious leaders don't believe me. Well, the unbelief and rejection of Jesus had nothing to do with the evidence available, but was a result of the heart conditions of the men in each person that was there. Number one, Verse number 6, Jesus said, My time has not yet come, but your time is always ready. You know the first reason why they rejected Jesus? 
because they were operating on their time instead of surrendering to God's time. Jesus' brothers and the multitudes came seeking bread. We want a physical kingdom now. God, we want, if you're really the Messiah, you're going to meet our requests. You're going to meet our demands. You're going to operate on, t- on our time schedule. Jesus said, my time is not yet full. This, my time and your time is not the same thing. And that's often a reason why people walk away. Well, God's not going to do what I want. You mean I have to wait and surrender and let him do it and trust that he's going to do it in his time? That's not how I want to do it. By the way, we need to take a pull off right here for a second. It says, um, it says in verse number 8, says, he says, Go ye up unto the feast. Go up and celebrate while they left Jesus Christ back in Nazareth and Capernaum. But he says, I go not up, I go not, I go not up yet unto this feast. Your Bible should read that. Go not up yet. I often make a point why we, about using the King James Bible, and there's a reason why we use the King James Bible. This is one of the reasons why we do. If you go to an NIV, you go to an ESV, you go to an NSAB, and the other versions, here's what they're going to read. Based on corrupt manuscripts that are one or two manuscripts, nine, over 90% back up this reading that's in your King James Bible, Okay? But the others, based on one manuscript mainly that they found in a trash can called the Sinaiticus, reads, this is what it reads, I am not going up to this feast, period. And then Jesus later does go up to the feast, making Jesus a liar. Right? The Bible says, Jesus said, I go not up yet to this feast. Later he does go up in his time and in his way. The other Bible versions that, by the way, Satan is always seeking to surplant the Word of God. And and, in the basis of one faulty manuscript, they say this, I'm not going up to the feast, period. Okay? What Bible version we use is an important issue because if Jesus lied, then he is not the Son of God because he is not a sinner. And if he lied, then he is breaking one of the commandments, thou shalt not bear false witness. And therefore, it is defaming the deity and the person of Jesus Christ. It, I, I just needed to stop and say, this, there is a reason why we use the King James. And it's an important reason because other, Satan is attacking the deity of Jesus Christ. And Satan is attacking who the uh, sinless nature because if Jesus is a sinner, then he can't save us. Jesus is without sin. The Bible's clear about that. He said, I go not up yet. It's not my time. There are so many people who have ideas about what God should do. Why does God allow the wicked people to prosper? Why am I going through this suffering right now and there's no end in sight? Brother Sam said this, the key to much unbelief is my time and your time. There's a difference. They didn't believe Jesus because of my time. They wanted their time. But, verse number 7, The world cannot hate you, but but me it hateth, because I testify of it that the works thereof are evil. You know why many people don't want to come to Jesus? Because He tells them what's really going on in their heart. 
Everything Jesus said was the perfect Word of God. Jesus never had a bad thought. Jesus never lost His temper. Jesus never told a lie. Jesus only showed love. He only showed compassion to people. But this is biblical love. Jesus came to open and to expose the true condition of the hearts of men so that men and women could be made right with God. Because if there's not an exposure of sin, there is nothing to be repented of, and then there's not going to be a restoration of fellowship with God. To have a restoration of fellowship with God, sin must be dealt with. Jesus came to bring life for man to have eternal life. And so to do that, there had to be a dealing with sin. He testified. Okay, He bare witness. He gave witness that you're not as good as you think you are. In fact, you're a dirty sinner. And you're, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Through his life, through explaining the word of God, he ripped the band-aid. He ripped the scab of religion off of the stinking, rotting hearts of men and said, you're not right with God. Just because of your nature. You're not right because of your heritage. You're not right with God because you do religious activities. There is sin that must be dealt with. Brother Sam said, what is there to hate about Jesus? Nothing. Unless you love your sin. I mean, Jesus is life. Jesus is light. Jesus is the way to heaven. He's the way of eternal life. But people hate Jesus because they love their sin. What does the Bible say? In John chapter 3, I have, the, I have the verses later in my notes. We're just going to read them now. This is the condemnation that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest their deeds should be reproved. The more they learned about Jesus, the more they discovered the wickedness of their own hearts. And so they said, I don't want to hear that anymore. They hated, they detested, there was an aversion to Jesus. And witnessing and talking to people, I've never really met a person who said, I've never sinned. But I've met a lot of people who say, but I'm a good person. I've, yeah, I, I mean, nobody's perfect. But they refuse to admit they're deserving of God's judgment. But until you are really willing to admit that I deserve God's judgment, you're never going to be saved. You're never going to trust only in Jesus Christ. Why is in our society the idea of a snitch or a, or a tattletale so despised? Because people don't like other people knowing what's really going on. It isn't, it wasn't, the idea of a snitch wasn't invented by people who were doing right. It was promoted by those who were doing wrong, and you better not tell. And Jesus, who knew every thought and intent of their heart, exposed it. Exposed their unbelief, and they said, no. I know what you're saying, and I don't want it. I'm not dealing with that. And verse number 13, it says, Howbeit no man spake openly of him for fear of the Jews. You know why a lot of people don't believe in Jesus? Because they're more afraid of men than they are of God. They don't want to give up their friends. They don't care about what other, they're worried about what other people would think. 
If it was popular to be with Jesus, okay, I can do that. Wait a second, other people are walking away. I don't want to be associated with what's not cool or whatever the new word is now. Um, I don't want to be associated with something that might uh, hinder my social life or hinder my standing in society. You mean that I'm going to be despised and rejected like Jesus? No, thank you. I don't want to do that. They cared more about what other people thought of them than about what Jesus. They cared more about what people might say about them or... um, um, try to please people rather than just saying, well, this is the Word of God and I've got to go with it. You see, the hatred and the rejection of Jesus was growing despite more revelation of His power and deity because Jesus revealed the true nature of their hearts and they feared men more than they feared God. See, people reject Jesus because they love their sin and they love the approval of men. We could tell every person, and we should, that should be our goal. That is what God has commanded us to do. Because there are those who will listen, and there are those who will come to Jesus Christ. And there are those who will surrender, and their lives will be changed. We keep planting the seed, and we keep doing the Word of God. And we're going to get there in a second, because we don't know what God can do. But just because more people know about Jesus doesn't mean more people are going to come. There's so many different religious beliefs today because people want to find something that agrees with them. Hey, you say, well, pastor, I really don't think that. You could go online. You could find somebody that agrees with you. But that doesn't mean it's biblical and that doesn't mean it's right. Don't be surprised today by the unbelief and the rejection we see in our world today. It's been the choice of man since Cain. first murderer. Brother Sam said, today the vast majority of those in the world, Jew, Gentile, are still in unbelief. Sadly, much much of what flies under the banner of Christianity does not believe either. The world is full of hierarchy, traditions of men, like the divinity of uh, the perpetual virginity of uh, Mary and all those uh, different things, rituals, words, false doctrine, while Jesus is on the outside, not believed for who he is. Hey, if we wanted a bigger crowd at, at Community Baptist Church, all I'd have to do is stand at the door and say, you're right. Somebody comes in, you're right. You're right. Whatever you want to believe, you're right. But that's not a church. And that's not what Jesus has called us to do. Because Jesus came to give eternal life. And there's not eternal life unless, we de- unless Jesus deals with the sin of your heart. Unless we surrender completely to Him. There's going to be rejection. You're going to invite people and you're going to tell them about the goodness of Christ and they're going to want nothing to do with it. Not because they don't know it, but because they say, I don't want it. It's a tragedy. Brother Sam said... The sad part is that in every case there is overwhelming evidence to lead one to believe in God, to believe his record. And in every case the unbelief is not an honest mistake, but willful unbelief. It's not because somebody just didn't understand. By the way, that's why we are to preach the gospel to every creature. We want them to know, we want them to have the ability to make the choice, but men still reject God because they love darkness rather than light. 
But thank God for grace. Think about this, okay? Jesus was not walking in Jewry for a little while because they were seeking to kill him. But where does he go and walk again? He goes back to Jerusalem. He goes back up to the feast. Even though they were rejecting him, he still gave them another opportunity to be with them. He still gave them another opportunity to hear the truth. The grace of God is amazing. The grace of God is marvelous. There is hope for sinners because Jesus Christ's grace is sufficient for every sin. He continued despite the unbelief. He still walked among them. He still continued to show them grace. And here's a wonderful truth too. The brothers of Jesus who did not believe Him at this time after the resurrection did. James became the pastor of the church of Jerusalem, Acts chapter 15. He wrote the epistle of James, the letter of James to believers. He wrote about the grace of God. He wrote about, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth liberally and upbraideth not. Talk about someone who could talk about the grace of God. Is someone who had lived with Jesus and rejected Jesus, and yet now he's on the other side and he's still been given the grace of God. Jude was another one of Jesus' brothers. He wrote the epistle of Jude. He said, keep yourselves in the love of God. Earnestly contend for the faith. Hey, there are many people who reject Jesus. But there are still those who we may not see it happen right now. But down the road, they're going to turn. Down the road, they might get saved. Don't give up on God changing lives. Many will walk away. Some will believe now. Some will believe down the road. But there's going to be many who walk away. But it's not because Jesus wasn't real. It's not because of a lack of evidence. It's because they love men and they love their sin. But thank God for grace as greater and all of our sin. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. Lord, I just pray that you would help us to trust you. Lord, to make sure that we're submitted to you, that we're in obedience to you. And I pray, Lord, that you would give us compassion to help those, to witness to those that are around us, to tell them of your grace and what only you can do. We pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts Lord, that we would respond, that we would obey you today. In Jesus' name we pray. And we'll take a moment. As the piano begins to play. Maybe you've been unbelieving, not wanting to submit. Belief is insane. Unbelief is insane. Grace is sufficient.